it's funny to think back, <laughs> knowing what podcast movement is now, and then thinking about how everything got started. I mean, it is such a transformation. It's mind-boggling. <laughs> Happy New Year, and welcome to Season 2 of the Podcast Movement Sessions. I'm your host, Joel Sharpton, and that voice you heard to open today's show is our fearless leader, Jared Easley, one of the founders of Podcast Movement. One of the things that I thought might be interesting for Season 2 is to sort of get a behind-the-scenes glimpse at the secret origin story of Podcast Movement. It turns out it's a pretty interesting story, or at least it was to me, uh, so uh, we're going to get some more of that in this episode. Really, if you if you want to go back, before even Podcast Movement hatched, it started as me being a podcaster, and I, I in no way take credit for Podcast Movement. I want to make that clear, but I thought it'd be fun to do a meetup, and I'd gone to other events like New Media Expo and experienced that community meetup that uh, people that I listen to, different podcasters would have these meetups at that event. And I thought, man, it'd be great to have a meetup, but I just don't have a huge audience. So what I did is thought, well, maybe I could collaborate with another podcaster and we could piggyback off a different event and maybe we could have a meetup. (laughs) That was my idea. Of course, the real point of Podcast Movement Sessions is to share some of the great stuff that we learned at the last Podcast Movement, some of the wonderful sessions, the wonderful talks and speakers that we all get to experience when you actually attend Podcast Movement. Well, today is no different. In this episode, you're going to hear some great stuff from Pat Flynn, the host of Smart Passive Income and one of the biggest podcasters in our industry. He's a great guy, uh, very humble, and he's going to share some tips on how you can take your show to the next level in the new year and how you can really connect with your community. That's what this episode is all about. It's about the community that we foster, who we choose to speak to, who chooses to speak back to us as podcasters, and then how we form communities among ourselves, especially around podcast movement. By the way, if you don't know, Podcast Movement is not just a conference, although it is a great conference, and we're going to have more information on how you can register for Podcast Movement 2017 coming to Anaheim in August of this year. But it's also a Facebook community. There is a great group on Facebook that you should be a part of if you're a podcaster or an aspiring podcaster or just a podcast junkie. Check it out by searching for Podcast Movement on Facebook. It's for past, present, and future attendees, so don't feel bad if you haven't been in the past. It's for all of you. Before we get into Pat's message, though, I want to share a little bit about where I come from in podcasting and why I love this community so much. I come from the radio world. I started local small market radio in 2004, and I've been there pretty much ever since. It's one of the reasons why I was so excited to hear Felix Montalaro's presentation at last year's podcast movement in Chicago. Turns out, Felix's background is a lot like mine. I've done radio for 12 years in the D.C. area and two years in in the state of Alabama, where I live, where I currently live in the state of Alabama. And um, when I discovered podcasting, I must tell you, when you do radio, you can only dream to be coast to coast, okay? And when you do radio, that's, that's the bottom line. You're just local, especially in Spanish. You're normally on an AM station unless you're one of the big ones and there's an FM station, but on the norm, you're just in an AM station, just locally. So discovering podcasting for me was like, hmm, 
I can go beyond the borders. This is pretty cool. So right now, I get to about 120 countries, and it's really amazing. I have 15 core countries that really follow me really close, and then the others just drop into hundreds of listens, and then you get about 60% of one season, two seas from different places, and you wonder who's listening to you out there. But these are real people. They're listening. You know, they're, these are ears that are actually listening to you wherever they're at. The potential for this medium is literally planet-wide. We could reach anyone eventually with a smartphone, and that turns out to be pretty much everybody eventually on the planet. And that reach can be very, very exciting. It can also be a little bit humbling, though, because turns out you're going to bump into a lot of people that don't like you when your reach is planet-wide, too. Christina Cantor is the creator of the C-Method, or Confidence Method, and the host of the Standout Get Noticed podcast. She gave a presentation last year at Podcast Movement on this very thing, understanding who likes you, who doesn't, and how to put those two things into context. Warning, there is some strong language here, but don't worry, I've made it radio friendly. I'm true to my roots, folks. This is the number, the percentage of people who will love your This is also the percentage of people who will hate your And this is also the percentage of people who don't really care about your Or they're a bit, they're on the fence. They're like, maybe, maybe not. And I'm assuming this right now, 33% of you love me. Hey Vernon, what's going on? Hey Ellery, he's just launched a book. Go speak to him afterwards. He paid me for that. And I'm assuming that 33% of you have already left the room <laughs> or are sitting there going, when is she done? I want my koala, I think, so I can get out. And then 33% of you are like, uh, yeah, I don't know, I still haven't made up my mind yet. I might just watch the replay and then decide. And that's okay, I fully accept that. If I wanted everyone to like me and try and appeal to everyone, then I would appeal to no one. Absolutely right, am I right, ladies? Absolutely. And a lot of people, even if they know something like this, they'll try and speak to the people that hate them and go, oh, I just, uh, but I wanna, like the people that don't like me, they need to like me, so I'm gonna like speak to them and hopefully they'll, they'll like me. But when you do that, you then aren't speaking to the people who already like you and you'll start to turn them off. So the best thing to do is to speak to the people who really like you, that already love your Oh, that's so great. You speak to them, and then that's when you're going to be the most authentic, the most passionate, and that's when you're going to be the most in love with what you're doing. And then the people who are a bit, oh, I don't know, they'll go, wow, well, those 33% look like they're having fun. Maybe I will. So then you'll pull over some of those people from the 33% who are on the fence. And then the 33% who really don't like you, well, you may actually end up turning some of them as well because you are being authentic and true to you and, and just being awesome, right? And then the people who still don't like you, well, do you really want to be their friend anyway? Yes or no? Absolutely not. They can go listen to uh, someone else's podcast. <laughs> they can go find someone else who is not like you, okay? So this, the important thing here is to accept 
that not everyone will like you and to be comfortable with the fact that you might get rejected by someone, right? That someone may not like you. So that's the potential for podcasting. But chances are, I'm already preaching to the converted, so to speak. You guys are either podcasters or aspiring podcasters. That's why you're listening to this podcast to begin with. What you might not be, though, is a podcast movement attendee. And I got to tell you, every day you wait is a day that you might miss out on attending Podcast Movement 2017. It's going to be the biggest and best conference yet in Anaheim for the first time on the West Coast, which means that it's easy access to Disneyland. Before we get to the happiest place on earth, though, why don't we get to the happiest podcaster on earth? And that's Pat Flynn. He's the host of Smart Passive Income and one of the pillars of the podcasting community. He's been doing it for a long time. And last year's conference, he gave some actionable tips on ways you can change your whole audience metrics and continue uh, to build after a plateau by incorporating a handful of special episodes. Cool stuff in this one and a great example of the kind of information that you can get when you attend the keynote sessions at Podcast Movement each and every year. Here's Pat. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you just aren't excited to record that next podcast that you have to record, right? Half of you are probably not raising your hands because you feel bad about that, right? But that's okay, because we all feel that way too. And I don't want you to get to the point where I got at one point back in 2011, when my podcast was going strong, but then I started to plateau. I started to doubt every time I published because I started to see the same numbers every time. And every time I hit publish, I said, why am I doing this? And I almost gave up on the Smart Passive Income podcast. And I'm so glad I did not. So here are the numbers as of yesterday for these particular podcast episodes. 27.5 million for Smart Passive Income over the course of six years. Actually, this, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and that's all because of you guys, obviously. Uh, that's six years of podcasting. July of 2010 is when my first episode came out, and we're here in July of 2016. How awesome is that? Six years. Ask Pat came out in 2014. We're at 6.5 million downloads, which I'm super proud of. It's a five-day-a-week episode, completely different from the other show. But I feature a voicemail question from the audience five days a week, and I'll show you how to do that later in the presentation if you wanted to do something similar. And then Food Trucker coming in from behind at third place uh, with a mere 208,000 downloads at this point. But, you know, relative to the other podcasts, it's very low. But when you think about it, 208,000 downloads for a food truck podcast. That's incredible, right? And so there's a lot of opportunity out there. And I want you to use these strategies so that you can reach more people and teach more people, change people's lives, because really that's what this is all about. So before we get into the 10 kinds of hit episodes that you can create, again, hit meaning highly intentional and targeted, I got two rules for you. Rule number one, you want to treat these particular episodes like an event. You want to treat them like it's an event. So think about it really quick. If you're putting on an event, would you put on the event and then try to get everybody to come in to the door? No. You would plan ahead of time and market it beforehand and do certain things to build buzz for it. And there's certain things that you can do to really implore this rule in these particular hit episodes that you're creating. So rule number one is pick a launch date. This is really important. Obviously, when you come out with a show, you know what, or hopefully know what date you're coming out with it. But the date is really important when you're going to market the show before it comes out. A lot of people think the marketing starts the moment the podcast is published, but that's not true, or it shouldn't be true. You want people to get excited about that day. So pick a launch date for that particular episode. Secondly, create buzz for it. 
You want to get people excited about what's to come. One quick way to do that is to tease what's coming. So you can actually share. If you, if you do any batch processing and record your shows ahead of time, which I highly recommend. I had a conversation with John Lee Dumas in 2014 at a Starbucks in San Diego, California. And in that conversation, I learned about batch processing because JLD is the master at batch processing, obviously. Seven shows every single week, incredible. So I asked John, John, how are you coming out with seven episodes a week? I struggle to do just one. And he said, well, batch processing. And also using assistance on top of that, but still. So if you batch process, you know what episodes are gonna, ha are gonna come in the future. And if these hit episodes are a part of that, you can pull out certain clips from those future episodes and embed them at the end of some of your more recent episodes. There's a show called Startup, which you may have heard of before, and they do the exact same thing. Serial did the exact same thing. And what happened when you heard that clip? You had to listen to everything else that was coming or you couldn't wait for that next episode to come. And you knew when it was coming because there was a specific date. And so again, tease what's coming. There's many ways to do that. You can do quote cards from future episodes from people who have been on your show and whatnot. A lot of different ways to do that. Number four, utilize your email list, podcasters, please. A lot of you are not utilizing your email list it's there, hopefully it's there. If, you're, if not, please build an email list. And if you have it, utilize it. And if you're not sending out podcast episodes, every single one to your, to your fans, which I completely understand, you don't want to bombard them with episodes, a hit episode, a hit episode is a perfect excuse to share a podcast episode with everybody. And number five, get your network and your friends behind it to help too. Again, you're not doing these every single week but you know they're coming. You can utilize those uh, relationships that you've built over time, whoever you've, added uh, whoever you've added value to in some way, shape, or form. Maybe it's time to ask for something in return. You know, a lot of us do a lot for other people, and it's okay to ask for something in return. Something as simple as a share or an email blast or anything like that. And again, use common sense and don't be, you know, hassling everybody about it, but you can utilize your network and friends for this big, quote, event that you have coming out. So rule number two is downloads are people. Downloads, subscribers, traffic. This is a big problem in the blogging space and in sales. You know, we're all about the email list and building traffic and subscribers. Well, each of those subscribers are people and people lose sight of that sometimes. So when we implore these strategies and we're talking about these tips for hit episodes, make sure that you remember that there are people on the other end that you're actually sending messages to real people. So a lot of people lose track of that and they just do it just for the tactics, just for the numbers. And in the long run, that's not going to work out for you unless you focus on the message you're delivering and the value that you're providing. All right, now let's get to it. Top 10 hit strategies, hit kinds of episodes that you can create. And the first one I want to share with you is called the Roundup episode. This is where the fun starts to happen in this room right now. Are you guys excited right now? Okay, good. I'm just making sure you're awake because we got a lot of content to go through. This is very actionable stuff too. Some of these may apply to you, some of them may not. Take them and use them, succeed with them. Please feel free to take notes. I'm sure there's a replay somewhere that will eventually be available. And thanks of, uh, to those of you who are watching live. I appreciate that. So number one, the roundup episode. Well, you might have seen blog posts that have used this strategy very successfully. So in the blogging world, which is where this actually comes from, a lot of people have these posts where they find 20 people, 30 people who all answer one single question. Have any of you seen a blog post that is similar to something like that? Yes, thank you. They work extremely well. 
Why do they work extremely well? Well, first of all, it's great value. You're getting 20, 30, however many people you can get perspective on a particular question, a question that typically is going to be something that is of an utmost importance to that particular audience. So that's, that's the first thing. Secondly, you'll see that a lot of these people who are featured in these articles as well will share that article because they're a part of it, right? Because they're a part of it, they're going to share it. And we can employ these same strategies. Now, the trick is, and the hard thing for us podcasters, is that we're not just asking people to reply with an email. What do we need to do? We need to get them to send audio, which is a little bit tougher. And because of that, we often don't even try this strategy. So there's a number of different things you can do. And the first thing I would recommend that if you're going to do this, make sure, just try it out. Start with one single question. What is the most pressing issue? What is the biggest pain that your audience has? Flip that into a question and find people to answer it for this particular podcast episode. Now, another thing we're doing that uh, somebody on my team had an idea of the other day was to take some of the answers from these people and create social media cards. So put a little bit of their quote or some quote that they had on a social media card. And when this episode comes out and we say, hey, this episode came out. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Here's a, uh, an image that you can share if you'd like to share it on social media. And of course, we all know that images get found and are just much easier to spot than text. So that's another thing that you could do that could eventually help increase the numbers as well. Okay, number two. This is a strategy that I've shared with people who are struggling with podcasts and their numbers, and they say that this strategy alone has changed everything for them. So I'm happy to share it with you. And that is number two, interview a forum owner. Forum meaning a group or some place where there's a group of that particular audience in there. So the reason this works very well is think about it. If you find a forum owner, somebody who owns a large group of your particular audience, and you feature them on your show, do you think that they would be happy to share that episode with the rest of their community? Absolutely they would. Why? Because they're the ones being featured in that community. And they're the leader of the space, and they want to be there and show how awesome that community is too. Now, you don't just want to make it all about them. You want them to come on the show and provide value as well. But I would highly recommend through your conversation, through your interview, if you do that kind of episode, uh, you try and get them to talk about the community too, and just how awesome it is. Because what happens is when they share it, which in most cases they do, the community will want to share it too. Number three, the burst strategy. Question, how many of you watch uh, you know, series, shows on Netflix? A lot of you. What, what do you watch? House of Cards, absolutely, a good one. Uh, Orange is the New Black, I've watched. Killed the, that season, it was awesome. Other shows, you just go right through, right? And what, what has Netflix done recently? They just release all the episodes at once, right? And you just binge watch and you drink Red Bulls because you can't not watch the rest, right? You're laughing because it's true. You can use the same strategy with these hit episodes. Now, a lot of people use this strategy in the beginning of their podcast life, right? Like, Tim, when you guys launched Conversion Cast, how many episodes did you launch with? 15 episodes he launched with. Because, and that's a great strategy, hopefully you learned from my mistake, which was launching with just one episode. When you launch a podcast with one episode, this is a big tip for those of you who are going to launch your podcast, what happens is people listen to that episode and maybe they're excited about listening to more, but guess what? There are no more episodes to listen to. So I would say launch with at least three. 15 is great because then you have all these download numbers. I mean, you guys were one of the top podcasts overall during the, that first string there. 
Well, you could use the same strategy for these hit episodes. And what I would do is I would have three episodes lined up that on the same day come out. Burst strategy for this, again, hit episode. Maybe it's a three-part series. And I made the mistake because very recently in episode 192, 193, and 194 of SPI, I did them all one week after another. And I feel like I lost out because I could have created a burst and just a lot of excitement in an event around the fact that all of these were coming out at the same time. Now, obviously, they're all related to each other. They were top uh, methods for earning passive income and how to get started. And I missed the boat on that. So if you have something where it's three, four, five episodes long, consider what it would be like to burst them all in front of your audience at the same time. Shall I keep going? Awesome. Okay, number four is S4S. Does anybody know what S4S means? And no, it's not a dirty thing, which I know some of you are thinking right now. Share for share. Yes, absolutely. This is a strategy that is used quite heavily in the YouTube space and on Instagram. And you'll see if you follow a lot of the same crowd in those spaces, uh, you'll see that often it's almost like a coincidence that the same person who mentioned one person they were also mentioned, you know, they, they just cross-promote each other. That's not by accident, people. And I don't see anybody doing this in the podcasting world. And why do they do this? They do this because it's a quick way to grow. It's an incredibly quick way to grow, and it's not very hard to do. Now, I would, I would recommend not just sharing each other's podcasts or becoming a guest on each other's show. And what you would want to do is actually have those episodes come out as close to the same time as possible because you want to mix those those groups together. And I, and I do want to talk a little bit about you know, competitors out there. I know a lot of people are like, I wouldn't do this because I want to share my audience with other people, right? But I would say that that's the wrong way to approach it. There's a lot of proven uh, partnerships that have happened in all different kinds of spaces where two people who come together, who continually promote each other's, both grow much faster than somebody who didn't work with somebody in the same way. For example, J.D. Roth and Trent uh, from SimpleDollar.com in the personal finance space. Back in 2004, when they started Get Rich Slowly and Simple, Daughter, da, uh, Simple Dollar, they, they were just kind of, you know, just starting out. They decided to always help promote each other's stuff and partner in the same way and just be there for each other. And they both became the top personal finance blogs until J.D. Roth eventually sold it uh, for millions of dollars or whatever. And that was just one of many examples of people who partner up, even in the early stages, to both help each other grow. So use this S for S, share for share strategy, and that's probably one of the easier ones to do. And you hopefully are building relationships with people here that you might be able to do this with. So hopefully that makes sense. Okay, number five on the, on the topic of sharing, this is a share contest. Contests are always great, right? Because that kind of motivates people to do certain things. And in the podcasting world, I hardly peop, uh, see people using contests to promote episodes. Now, I wouldn't run a contest with every episode. I've run contests during launches, and you can run contests during your birth series or any of these hit episodes. So there's a couple tools I want to share with you that make it very easy to do these sharing contests. So the first one uh, is called King Sumo by the guys over at AppSumo. And what this does, I actually did this very recently to, pr to promote subscription to my book club. You can use it to promote anything, really, but I use it to promote my book club, and I gave away five of my favorite books of 2016 that I've read. And what happens is when people enter their name and email, so you're actually building your list at the same time, which is great, when you're building your list and collecting these entries, you'll see here it says, oh, you've only collected one entry. Here's how you can earn more entries. And of course, this software handles all the random selections for you. But they can earn entries by sharing on Facebook, sharing on Twitter, sharing their link. 
It's a viral way to grow through the contest sharing app. So those two apps, again, like I said, uh, King Sumo and the other one is Rafflecopter, which is, which is also a very popular one that a lot of people use for these contests. So, all right, let's move on. Oh, I'm sorry, people taking pictures. Boop, 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 boop. Okay. So the challenge. Challenges are fantastic because they get people to move, but more importantly, they get people to share. People love to share when they're doing something that's difficult and they want to show how awesome they are at achieving those goals, right? And they also want to get their friends involved too. So utilize a challenge related to an upcoming hit episode if possible. There's a good example of this. Jen and Jetta from uh, Simple Green Smoothies. It's a site about smoothies. And they have, every once in a while, a 30-day smoothie challenge. It's free to join. You subscribe, which, again, you're building your email list while you're running these challenges. But at the same time, they're sending emails out. And that's how the contest works. They have these recipes that they send out every day for 30 days that people can do. And it just gets everybody excited. So here's a byproduct of what happens when you run this kind of product, or uh, excuse me, contest. So this is their Instagram page. Through these contests, and I interviewed Jetta on a particular podcast episode of SPI. And she said that the challenges were the number one way that they've grown their social media following. There are 418,000 followers on Instagram. Nearly half a million people who follow a smoothie page. Why? Well, here's why. They have posts like this. 30-day green smoothie challenge just for the month of July. And what happens? Well, you'll see that in posts like this, people share with their friends a lot. And this is a way for you to get in front of audiences who you would have never gotten in front of before. Again, through your audience that you already have, but it's through a trusted friend. And because of that, people are more likely to follow you and what you're doing and enter the contest, give you their email, and so on and so forth. Here's number seven, the poster boy episode. This is a strategy that I kind of adopted from Brian Harris over at Video Fruit. He talks about this strategy quite a bit. And what is a poster boy? A poster boy is that kid in the classroom that everybody hates because they do exactly everything that they're supposed to do that the teacher says, right? Oh, why can't you guys be like Johnny and get an A plus? Or why can't you guys be like Sarah and do like what she does? That's who you wanna become in this episode. So here's how you get in front of a new audience using the poster boy strategy. You might be following some influencers out there who are teaching certain things. What you do is you do those things, you do it well, and then you report it on your own particular podcast episode. You become an episode that is essentially a testimonial, but not really, because you're talking about this experience and the ups and downs and all of it, but you are making it so easy for that influencer to share the heck out of you, because you've become that perfect person that they want to have in their audience. And oftentimes what this does is you become featured on their homepage, you become a guest on their show. It doesn't always happen. I'm not promising that, but this is a great way for an influencer to want you. And when you can get an influencer to want to feature you, great things will happen. So that's the poster boy strategy. Next up, we have the podcast carnival. Who remembers blog carnivals back in the day, right? There's a reason why they don't exist anymore because they're weird. But <laughs> podcast carnivals, I have never seen anybody do this except for myself and a few other people who tried this and it actually worked out really well. So in 2012, we did this thing, and by we, I mean me and three other podcasters, we decided that we were going to all get together on one episode four times. And in each of those episodes would be once promoted on each other's sites. So each of us would host the group conversation on, uh, once. 
for, for this. We, we called it the Summer Marketing Mashup. So that's, here's a page that was actually created to help promote it. Summer Marketing Mashup, which included me, Internet Business Mastery, Tim Conley from uh, Foolish Adventure, and uh, Dan from the Lifestyle Business Podcast. Uh, so what we did was actually we recorded four episodes back to back to back to back. Um, we actually did them live too, so we would collect questions from the audience related to certain topics, and we covered a different topic every week. But of course, all of us promoted each other's stuff at the same time. So then on this page, we said, okay, three steps. Step one, complete the 60-second poll. That helped us discover more about what to answer, what topics to cover about these related topics. Number two, here were the links to each of our websites and each of the episodes after they were posted. And number three, call to action, subscribe to each of our shows. So we're each, similar to the uh, share for share and similar to the kind of blog partner thing, you know, we're all sharing each other's audience and growing together. So this can work very well. You only have to maybe just do it once or twice with a few other of your friends or other people in the space, uh, and it can work out really well. Number nine is round two. This is a simple one. If you have an archive of episodes already, go into your archive or your stats, find out which ones are the most popular episodes, or the most popular episode, and do a follow-up episode on that. It's already proven to be something that your audience is really interested in. You can use the fact that you've already had a show about it to promote the next one. And it's just a great excuse to, to come up with new content about stuff that you know is going to be a hit. And if you implore a lot of these other strategies to go along with it, it, it could actually uh, help you out quite a bit. And then finally, number 10. And this one's the surprising one. This is the last one. A niche-specific show. So I heard this strategy from Derek Halpern from Social Triggers. He said, hey, if you want to get a new audience, just pick one tiny niche and focus on them. Make the episode specifically for them. And I was like, why would I do that? Because I want, I want everybody to consume it, right? I want it to be useful for everybody. But what happens is when you make it for a specific niche or sub-niche in your industry, that community hangs onto it. They share it. It becomes the thing of the hour or the thing of the week for them. So here's an example. I published an episode called How to Make a Living Selling Your Artwork Online. I interviewed a man named Corey Huff, and in it we talked about how to sell your artwork, like literally how to sell your artwork. And I was like, this is super narrow. Like, this isn't going to do very well. I don't think it's going to work. And what ended up happening was similar to what happened with the Green Smoothies girls. Um, I started to see, see a ton of sharing. People who knew artists who were struggling ended up sharing it with, uh, with them. Uh, here on Facebook, and again, this was, this was uh, 2012. So I didn't have very many Facebook followers. Um, I had 422 shares on this article. And it just exploded. The reach was 398,000 for this one, ep one episode about a very specific niche that I thought was just going to be a dud. And this was a, a big thing I learned. So niche-specific, pick one, go with it, share it in their forums, in their communities, and you're going to start to see it take off. This is actually what happened. This is my podcasting stats when that podcast went live. So like I showed you earlier, low plateau, high plateau after that episode came out because I started to have a lot of people want to listen to more episodes after that, which was really cool. So to finish up, let's recap everything we talked about really quick just to make sure that you guys got those written down. So a roundup, your forum owner, a burst, share for share, and your contest. And then finally, your challenge, like the Green Smoothie Girls, your poster boy strategy, becoming that teacher's pet, the carnival, the roundup between different podcast episodes, each sharing on each other's sites. Number nine, round two. And number 10, your niche-specific podcast episode. So pick one and do it when you get home and tell me how it went for you. I know these strategies work. 
but they only work if you take action on them. So thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you. Hope you enjoyed it. In 2017, Podcast Movement is hitting the road as we make our way to the West Coast. Spend some of your summer with us at the beautiful Anaheim Marriott in Anaheim, California. Join us August 23rd through the 25th as Podcast Movement does it better than ever. We'll once again have amazing featured speakers and all of your best podcaster friends from all around the world. All that's missing is you. Register today and we'll see you in California. Troy Heinritz is a member of Golden Spiral Media and one of the co-hosts of the Beyond Westworld podcast. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you here, nothing in our conversation is going to contain a spoiler for the HBO show Westworld. But if you haven't seen it, it's really good television. I don't mind recommending it. Troy talked to me about creating a Facebook group to support and grow the community around their podcast. Now, that name, Beyond Westworld, might have rung a bell with you, especially if you're a fan of 70s and 80s sci-fi, because there was a TV show called Beyond Westworld. There were two movies, Westworld and Future World, in the series, and then those were followed up by a TV show, Beyond Westworld. It was very short-lived. I think they filmed five and aired three, but it did exist. And so fans of the property have this vague notion of the name. It's a really clever name for their podcast and for the Facebook group. Using this name got us off to a great start off the bat. And when the show finally aired on HBO four weeks after we launched the podcast, we saw the Facebook group by almost thousands of people every single week to the point where it is now at 25,000 plus. And so we've actually enlisted members of our podcast community and members of the Golden Spiral Media team to help us manage the group. And that has been truly, truly life-saving because we actually make sure to block any spoiler posts that occur from the time the show starts on the East Coast until 24 hours after it finishes on the West Coast. And that takes a lot of work to make sure that the group is safe and secure and everybody can enjoy it and have a great time. We also police for bullying and any hate attack or hate speech. Uh, We have a zero tolerance policy, so we boot people from the group uh, when those things occur. And I think that really helps make it a fun and engaging place and why over 25,000 people have chosen our Facebook group out of the almost 20 other options that are on Facebook. They could come to us and know that they have a safe place to commiserate about their favorite television program. Sometimes, though, a community that large, and especially one that grows that fast, can take on a life of its own. We had a person by the name of Kay Young, And Kay was someone that was either added to the group, but this nice poor woman, she put up a post in the Facebook group that said, I did not ask to be a member of this group. Please remove my name. Literally within seconds, this went to the top of the Facebook group and everybody in the group started to comment. It became memes. It became ties into the show. And the best thing about this person was that they had a, I guess it was a collie profile picture on Facebook for this woman was a border collie. 
And the dog ended up becoming the subject of all of these memes. So people would find scenes from the Westworld television show and then Photoshop out characters and instead put the dog in their place. Or they would have really, really big scenes in the show and they would have the dog sitting in the background or the dog was getting cut in half or the dog was coming out of the Mariposa Saloon. Just all kinds of memes spawned from this one lady who didn't even want to be in the Facebook group in the first place. 600 comments later, we happened to be admitting the group. And I went through and saw that someone had reported the post. And because they reported the post and Facebook doesn't show you the comments, they just show you the original post, I deleted the post. And a legend was born in that moment. Because by killing the post, everybody was talking about Kay and nobody had no idea what anybody was talking about. So it became this kind of inside joke, this viral fandom, and everybody wanting to know all about the almighty K. I love the idea that podcasts, even ones about, you know, just television shows, can spin off into communities and ideas of their own, creating their own memes, their own jokes, their own, you know, language even at some point, just like other parts of the internet community. It's a really powerful tool that we're sitting on top of. Speaking of, back to that secret origin story for podcast movement. I was going to go to an event in Dallas, and I started thinking about well, what podcasters am I connected with, even if I don't know them well, who am I connected with in Dallas? And I was on Twitter, and I came across a show called Entrepreneur Showdown, and that show's not in existence anymore. It may still be in iTunes, but it's not current. But at the time, it was co-hosted, and I thought it was really interesting, all the album artwork for every episode was uh, if it was having a guest let's say Joel you were the guest they'd make like this wrestling promo cartoon of you <laughs> and, and the, the show's called Entrepreneur Showdown I was like oh, this is really creative this is an interesting show and it was hosted by two guys named Joe Cassandra and Dan Franks <laughs> I didn't know either one but I reached out to him on Twitter and I was like hey I'm coming out to this event I live in Florida but I'm going to be in Dallas and I thought it'd be kind of fun if our podcast teamed up and we did a co-hosted meetup so we put together this meetup when i was attending this other event and to my surprise we had i think 20 to 25 people that came to that first meetup from there i met a lady named cynthia cynthia was really into pinterest and dan and joe and myself teamed up with cynthia and we decided to do what's called a mashup uh, do you know what a podcast mashup is joel so I've never heard of a podcast mashup before this conversation, but I mean, I'm a smart guy. I could figure out context clues. It's you take two podcasts and mash them up, right? Well, <laughs> there's a little bit more to it than that. Right, Jared? <laughs> well, this was completely inspired by some other entrepreneur podcasters where they had done a, a webinar series and each session of the series was put on a different person's podcast. So if you wanted to listen and follow the sessions or the conversations, you had to go to this one person's podcast, then you had to go to another person's podcast. So it was like a cross-pollination of audiences. I had never seen it before, but when I saw it that first time, this was back in like summer of 2012, maybe 2011. And I, I saw this and I thought, that's really cool. And so Joe and Dan, who did Entrepreneur Showdown, myself with Start of the Doubts, and Cynthia, who did Oh So Pinteresting, we decided, hey, let's do a mashup. <laughs> let's let's try our own. We uh, did a little webinar series, and it was all online. We, we promoted it to our different networks. 
each session was on the uh, you know another person's podcast to cross pollinate the audiences. And then at the end, our, our grand plan, Joel, was to have a meetup at New Media Expo. NMX or New Media Expo is a giant sprawling conference that contains bloggers and vloggers and YouTube stars and all sorts of new media folks, including industries that support those actual creators. Podcasting was one tiny portion of that. But as Jared points out, at the time, there weren't really any other national options. So we went and put together the night before New Media Expo at a bowling alley <laughs> right next to the, the casino there, the Rio Casino. I think it was the Gold Coast uh, Casino is right next to the Rio. They have a bowling alley. So we said, hey, we're meeting at the bar there in the bowling alley. And we called it the holiday mashup, Joel, because <laughs> it was the holidays, right? Uh, the event was happening in January, and we had done the mashup during, like, Christmas time. So <laughs> we, we were thinking, you know, maybe we'll get the same results. Maybe we'll get 25, 30 people to a meetup. We had over 100 people come to that meetup, podcasters, people who are interested in podcasting. And, you know, that's when I kind of picked up on, hey, there's something going on, because it's not because I'm a great podcaster. Certainly then I was a you know brand new podcaster. So it wasn't because I was great or on the right track or any of those things. I think it was just a movement that was you know happening between the podcasters in the community. People wanted to get together. They want to hang out. We gave them an excuse to do that through that meetup. So later in that event, maybe a, you know, a day or so, we started to hear people saying, man, I wish there was an event just for podcasting. And I heard it more than once, Joel, and I've learned through different entrepreneurial books and podcasts that the market will tell you what they want. And when you hear something multiple times, you need to, you know, listen to that. And that's when I went to Dan, you know, I kind of pulled him aside and I was like, man, I keep hearing people say this. This is something we should probably look into. We started thinking, well, how would this even work? And we didn't know anything about this, Joel, but one person that we thought of immediately was Gary Leland. And the reason we thought of Gary was because Gary had hosted PodCamp Dallas the, or the year before. And I remember seeing that event on Twitter and on Instagram or, you know, on, online. And I thought, okay, Gary must have some kind of concept of running events. And there's already a proof of concept in Dallas for podcasters. And so, to me, it would make the most sense. Instead of doing PodCamp Dallas, let's go to Gary and say, hey, can PodCamp Dallas and let's just create a conference. So, from a podcast meetup with an attendance of 25 to an event add-on at a bowling alley with an attendance of 100, all the way to 1,500 plus in Chicago last July, to who knows how many in Anaheim this August. Will you be there? Get more info on how at podcastmovement.com and don't miss out. We're going to hear more about the origins of Podcast Movement throughout this season of Podcast Movement Sessions. We're going to hear more from Jared Easley and Dan Franks, as well as Gary Leland and Mitch Todd, all of the team behind Podcast Movement. There was one more story, though, I had to share with you. One of my best podcast buddies is Ramona Rice. Um, I'm Ramona Rice. I am the community manager at Podcast Websites, and I'm also the host of the Sports Gal Pal at sportsgalpal.com and the co-host of We Should Not Be Friends at weshouldnot.com. Now, 
Ramona's got an amazing story. Podcasting let her quit her job. Podcasting let me quit my job. And we're going to hear that story down the road. But she shared how the podcast community came together for her this year. And I couldn't help but share it with you. And, and the friendships involved. I, you know, I, I've had a very interesting year, you know, with everything that's happened in my life. Um, I'll, I'll let the audience know, you know, my husband passed away in February and um, I, of course, was devastated. My family, I was actually on my way to another podcasting conference to speak and the podcasting community really embraced me and they really looked after me. There was a moment when I was asked to be the MC for the um, PMX talks. Uh, Mark Deal, who was organizing that for Jared and Dan, um, he gave me a call. I totally forgot my husband had died and so I called his phone number and my sister had gotten his phone number and she answered the phone. So she was super thrilled to get that first phone call. I had totally forgotten because we had worked so hard to get me to the point where I would be invited to do something like this. And I remember hanging up the phone and sobbing. And, you know, for me, podcast movement this year was a lot of just reconnecting with those people who supported me through this whole process and being able to say thank you to them, being able to hug them, being able to just say thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for thinking of my children and my husband and and thank you so much. You know, we're really lucky. Like I said, this community, it's a great tribute to a, to a conference like Podcast Movement where it seems really large and it is a large conference. You're not going to meet everybody. It's impossible. But if you really take the time and you really develop those relationships and you are in the group and you um, attend the sessions and you attend the after sessions and you come a day before and you attend like something like a PMX talk, the value in that is, again, you find friendships and you find people that understand why you're willing to sit in your closet for hours with technical difficulties and, um, you know, you have no air conditioning on because it's, it's hot and sweaty, <laughs> but you want that. You want that quality. There's nowhere else in the world that lets you do that. That's why this is important. That's why it's called a movement. It's not just conference. It's a movement. There's a reason they use that word because it allows people like me who have a voice, who have a unique perspective in the world and whose story changes constantly in the last two years. It allows me to have a little bit of an anchor and a community that gets it. My thanks to Ramona Rice, to Felix Montalara, to Troy Heinrichs, to Pat Flynn, to Christina Cantor's and to Jared Easley with Podcast Movement. This is Joel Sharpton, the host for Podcast Movement Sessions. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Until then, find more at podcastmovement.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, share with your friends and make sure they join the community on Facebook and in Anaheim this August for Podcast Movement 2017.